This is the Fearless Presentations Podcast, the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hi there, welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast number two. I'm your host, Doug Stannard, CEO of FearlessPresentations.com. And on this week's show, we're going to cover a couple of different things. First, we're going to give you another another tech find that will be very, very helpful for you if you're looking for visual aids for your presentation. And then we're going to do a continuation of the podcast that we started last week with the 10 things that you can do to reduce nervousness. So we'll cover five through 10 of those 10 things that you can reduce, that you can do to reduce nervousness. Um, on this, uh, just before we actually get started, though, let me kind of give you a quick little warning, because uh, one of the things that I tend to find in the industry is that a lot of times folks will go looking for information to help them solve a problem, like for instance, in this case, public speaking fear or having nervousness in, in front of a group. And they'll look for a lot of different ways to, to fix that thing. They might read books, they might watch videos, YouTube videos on, on the computer. Um, they, might, uh, they might do a podcast like this. One of the things that you'll tend to find though is that information is fantastic, but information that you never get a chance to use can be very, very challenging. It's basically kind of worthless. So it's not until you actually take the information out and you actually do something with it and you have a success that you actually start building your confidence. And that's one of the things that we find is so helpful with our Fearless Presentations classes is our two-day public speaking classes that are offered in cities all over the United States, Canada, Europe. They really help people put into practice a lot of the stuff that we're covering here on the podcast. So if you do have a public speaking public speaking fear or if you're if you're doing business presentations and you just want to get better at them, you want to make your presentations faster to design and deliver, um, any of those kind of things in a two-day public speaking class can be very, very helpful for you. Um, so let's go ahead and get started with this week's Tech Find. So the tech find this week is a website called Shutterstock. Now, this is one of my favorite places to go to get stock photos. And uh, for those of you who may be on a budget or you don't have a really you know big marketing department or something like that that you're working with and you need some images for a PowerPoint slide deck, Shutterstock is a, a good place to go to get it. Now, the um, number one, they have a huge, huge selection of, of you know thousands or hundreds of thousands of different types of photos that you can use. A lot of them have models or or people in them that have uh, they're they're kind of royalty free. So basically, uh, you know, if you if you pay the fee to purchase that particular picture, you can use it as many times as you want. Now, I'm sure there's probably other kinds of restrictions involved in it, but uh, for the most part, they're they're pretty easy going with the use of the photos. Um, I've used these folks for years. In fact, um, you can get a monthly subscription, and it's pretty. Uh, I, I, the monthly subscription, I think I pay a few hundred dollars a month for it, but I use it so much that it's it's actually worthwhile to me. If you're if you're looking for more of a short term kind of thing, you can actually just get a month of subscription. It's kind of like Netflix. Basically, you can you can uh, download. I think it's up to like 350 different images and it per month. 
So, so it's a, a really high threshold. So if you, if you just want to get one month and then cancel, you can kind of do that. I'm, I'm sure, but, uh, I, I get a lot of value out of, in addition to using, uh, using the, the stock photos for images in my PowerPoint slideshows and that kind of thing, I actually use it for a lot of our social media campaigns as well. So like, for instance, when we, um, when we're, we're doing stuff on, on Facebook or, or one of the other social media sites, a lot of times if we're, if, instead of just putting words down, if you put an image with that word, it makes it words anyway, it makes it easier for people to, to kind of see it and, and that kind of thing. So, so, um, and if you're doing any type of advertising on Google or pay-per-click ads and you, and you need an image, it's a good place for that kind of stuff too. So Shutterstock, uh, like I said, one of my favorite places to go and get, get stock photos. So if you're interested in that, make sure and, and check out that website. Um, by the way, if you have other tech finds, make sure and email us at podcast at fearlesspresentations.com. And, uh, and maybe one of the tech finds that you come up with will be on one of our future shows. Tech find. High-tech gadgets to make your presentations better. So, Doug, what's today's hot topic? So today's hot topic is part two of the 10 things that you can do to reduce nervousness. And that's one of the, that's what we started covering in the last podcast. And I gave you five things that you can do to reduce nervousness. And hopefully those have been pretty helpful for you. If you hadn't had a chance to listen to that podcast, you can, you can subscribe to our podcast in the, uh, in the Apple iTunes store. And that'll make sure that you get every single one of the episodes that we, that we deliver. But we're going to pick up with tip number six and go all the way to tip number 10. So tip number six, one of the things that you can do to, to reduce public speaking fear pretty dramatically is to do what I call look for the friendly face in the audience. So one of the perceptions that we have when we stand up to speak in front of a group is that the audience is against us. It's like the audience wants me to fail. The audience hates me. They're really negative and they're difficult and they want me to fail because they want my job or something, right? So, but, but in reality, though, most of the time, the people in your audience are actually on your side. Now, I know there are tough audiences. We all we all get them. But for the most part, even in a really tough audience, there'll be people that are kind of on your side. And you can always tell those folks is that when you say something that people kind of agree with, they'll be the ones that are kind of nodding at you a little bit, nodding their head and, and, and maybe even a, a small smile, that kind of thing. When you see that in the audience, it builds up your confidence. It builds up your, your, um, your, you basically are saying to yourself, wow, okay, I've communicated very effectively in that situation. And, and it kind of, it, it makes it a little easier to continue the continue the communication. So when the opposite is true as well, though. So if you have really negative people, uh, one of our instructors <laughs> that works for us, he calls them joy suckers. He used to be a pastor and, and he said that when he, when he was uh, delivering sermons, that there was always this one guy that would sit right in the front row and, uh, and he would be the one that had, you know, looked like you'd just sucked on a sour lemon, that kind of thing, had that look on his face. And it was always a distraction kind of looking at that guy. Well, the problem with that is that if you're looking at that guy, the, the, uh, the joy sucker guy, then basically it, that that's going to harm your confidence. It's going to make it to where it's more difficult for you to communicate because you're thinking in the back of our mind, we're going, holy crap, what am I doing wrong? You know, why am I not communicating with this guy? The one thing you have to keep in mind about, about folks like that who are in your audience is that 
nine times out of ten when they're acting that way, it really might have nothing to do with you anyway. You know, they, it could be that they're in a meeting they just don't want to be in. <laughs> it could be that they've got 150 gazillion other things that they need to be doing right now and something else is is distracting them. So rather than focus on the focusing on the, the joy suckers, focus on the folks that, that have the friendly faces, the folks who you're making a connection with. And the the fantastic thing about that is that when you when you really connect well with just a few people it starts to kind of rub off. Other people start to, when you see see a few people kind of nodding your heads and and you're and you're communicating well with a few people. Then all of a sudden you start seeing it more and more often around around the room. So keep that in mind. Most of the people that are in your audience they want you to succeed. So tip number so tip number six again is to look for the friendly face. Now, typically at this point, this is where folks in the audience, especially when I'm teaching a a, a public speaking class or something like that, will say, uh, "Doug, you don't know my audience. My audience is very, very stoic. They don't give us support. They don't give me anything. They don't give me any feedback." Well, there's a good chance that the reason why that's happening is it's it's probably more in line with the way that we're designing our presentations more than anything else. Um, I, I give you a good example. What most people do. When they when they sit down to design their presentations, is they say, okay, what do I know about this 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 topic? What exactly do I know? And then they start cataloging all of their information, and it's not in a, a great flow. It's not in a great order. It's not what we call. Um, audience focused. It's not something that the audience really wants to kind of hear. So if that's the way we're kind of starting off our presentation, if we're just kind of giving a bunch of information not and not even taking into account what the audience really wants, it's going to make it much more difficult to make that connection with an audience. Um, so uh, a few sessions down the, down the road on the podcast, we're going to show you how to design your presentations differently and make them really more audience focused. And when you do, you'll have a whole lot more of that interaction, the, the positive feedback from your audience that you can kind of feed on. Another thing that you can do is to get into examples and stories. It's one of the other sessions that we'll cover later on is how to get into, you know, really good examples in your presentation because a good example is a much better teacher. It's a much better illustrator of the the information that you're trying to get across to people. So we'll do a whole couple of sessions on each one of those topics. But the key to this though is that if you want to reduce your your public speaking fear, Focus more on the people who are giving you that positive interaction than the ones who are giving you the negative interaction or the negative feedback. And you'll typically feel a whole lot better and be more comfortable. Uh, and oddly enough, you'll start to win some of those negative people over if you're communicating very effectively as well. So so let's move on to the next tip. The next thing that you can do to reduce uh, public speaking fear is it, it really has a lot to do with your stance. And one of the things that we teach people is to kind of drop your hands down by your side. Now, this is something that is can be a little challenging to a lot of us because a lot of us like to communicate with our hands. Now, keep in mind, I'm not telling you to keep your hands down by your side. I'm telling you to start with your hands down by your side. The reason why is because you'll look more natural, you'll look more poised, you'll look more at ease, and you'll actually use your hands more effectively. You'll actually start to gesture much more often and much better if you have your hands dropped at your side when you begin. The thing that we kind of find is that wherever people start with their hands, wherever their hands start during the presentation is kind of where they go back to when we when we have a pause, right? So a lot of times what folks will do is they'll clasp their hands in front of them. They'll, they'll, they'll kind of hold them in front of them or they might put their hands in their pockets and, and um, anytime you're doing one of those things, it takes away a lot of your ability to gesture. So like for instance, if you have your hands clasped in front of you in some way, 
and you need to make a gesture. The first thing you have to do is you have to break that clasp, and then once you break the clasp, then you, you'll make a little tiny gesture. In fact, if you do that with your hands right now, if you kind of clasp your, hand, clasp your hands in front of you, break the clasp, and then do a gesture like, a, like up toward the ceiling, you'll notice that it's a very tiny, weak kind of gesture. However, if you drop your hands down by your side, and then you make the same type of gesture, a couple things is, are likely to happen to you when you do that. Number one, instead of just using one hand, you'll likely gesture with both hands. And in addition to that, if you happen to be standing, you'll actually start to move your feet. You'll actually start to make more a better connection with the audience. So it, it is a little uncomfortable to kind of start with your hands down by your side, but you'll typically look a whole lot more poised. You'll typically look like you're more confident, even if you don't feel it yet. So that's a, a really good tip. Um, just so you know, the, the reason why we tend to put that clasp in front of us, we tend to put our hands in front of us, is because anytime we feel threatened, we want to put something between us and the potential threat. I, I kind of mentioned on an earlier uh, podcast with that, you know, uh, over the last few years, I've been taking a lot of martial arts and stuff like that. And one of the things they teach in like Taekwondo and, and Jiu Jitsu and some of the other martial arts is you want to put something between you and the potential threat. So unlike Taekwondo, they want you to put your hands and your feet in between you and the potential threat. Um, and uh, if you're a police officer, you know, a lot of police officers, they're taught to put something between them and the potential threat. So if you, if you, if you've ever gotten a ticket, very rarely are you going to see a police officer kind of look directly into a window. Typically what they're going to do is they're going to put their body, they're going to put that uh, that metal crossbar between the the driver uh, between the driver and the and the back seat. They're going to put that between them and the potential threat and they'll kind of peek around to make sure that there's no threat in in the car. Well, that's a natural kind of even though that's that's training that's also a kind of a natural thing that we do when we feel threatened. So anytime you have your hands clasped in front of you, and a lot of times if you have your hands, you know, even at parade rest or something like that behind your back or in your pockets, it'll make you look like you feel threatened by the audience. It'll make you look more nervous. So what we always suggest that folks do is kind of start with your hands down by your side and then start to use your gestures more. Use your hands to communicate. One of the things that we that I, I, I was always shocked at when I first started doing public speaking coaches is, is uh, folks would kind of stand up for the first time in front of the room and they'd say, well, I am, and they put some kind of ethnic group. They'd be, I'm Italian, or I'm Irish, or I'm whatever. I'm Hispanic, whatever. They, I mean, they would put something and they would say, and so as a result, I talk with my hands as if that's something kind of unique about each ethnicity. And, and in fact, it's not. We all speak with our hands. It's a, it's a valid part of the communication process. If we're not communicating with our hands, we look weird. We look kind of kind of introverted, right? So, so uh, the so using your gestures is really effective uh, in front of a group. It helps you get your ideas across more effectively. And the best way to actually use your gestures is to kind of start with your hands down by your side. Now, I mentioned earlier that this is kind of a very uncomfortable thing to do in the in the beginning. But the the neat thing about this particular skill is it's fast and easy to pick up. It's one thing those things that you only really have to practice a couple of times and it becomes a part of what you do, especially when you see how much more confident you look. Um, so like for instance, if you ever have a recording of yourself, you do a recording of yourself with your hands down by your side in the beginning and then watch the gestures that you use, you'll you'll go, oh my gosh, that's fantastic. That looks really good. So as a result, it will reinforce Force those positive things that, that you're doing. So tip number seven is to drop your hands down by your side when you communicate. 
By the way, just kind of as a as a refresher here, these are the 10 things that you can do to, to reduce nervousness. And these are actually the 10 things that are in chapter one of my book, Fearless Presentations. Uh, these will actually be in the, in the uh, podcast notes, uh, which I'll, I'll give you a link to at the end of the podcast here. But you can go and you don't need to write these things down. They'll, they'll actually be in the podcast notes so you can find them quickly and easily after the podcast is over. So tip number eight, the eighth thing that you can do to reduce nervousness when you're standing up and, and presenting in front of a group is speak only on topics on which you are an expert, right? Um, this one is really interesting because a lot of public speaking fear, in fact, uh, they, statistics show that 95% of the hu- of the American population has some type of fear of public speaking. And after doing this type of training for the last 20 years or so, I think that a lot of that public speaking fear actually comes from the way that most people are trained to speak in front of a group. Most of us, when we're first starting out to you know our, our speaking career, it's in high school. And a lot of times the first types of speeches that we have to give when we're in high school are like book reports, right? So basically I have to stand up in front of my peers, a bunch of judgmental people that are uh, a lot of times really rude. Uh, I have to stand up and I have to give a report to all of these people on a book that I never actually read. <laughs> so as a result, we're going to feel way, way, way more nervous in that kind of situation than what we would in in like a normal business presentation like we give in, in, in the business world. So keep that in mind. A lot of times that public speaking fear comes from a negative experience that we had at some time in our past. Um, it, for instance, when one of the things that we found about public speaking confidence is that For folks who stand up in front of a group and they have a positive experience, it becomes easier now for them to get up in front of the next group. If you stand up in front of a group and you have a negative experience, it becomes more difficult. So the more the more of a series that you have of really positive experiences in front of a group, the more effective you're going to be, the more confident you're going to be as a presenter. That's one of the reasons why a lot of people come to our our public speaking classes is that it gives them an opportunity to have a series of success after success after success after success after success in a really controlled environment. So they're not experimenting with their coworkers. They're not experimenting with judgmental high school students, right? They're experimenting in a controlled environment with people who are or helping them get better. And so as a result, it, it kind of builds our confidence. So so keep that in mind is that a lot of that public speaking fear that, that people have, a lot of it will come from past experiences and, and a lot of it goes back to high school, sometimes colleges and universities and, and that kind of thing as well. Uh, the, the good news is that when you're asked to give a presentation in the business world, more often than not, the reason why you're asked to give that presentation is because you're the expert on that topic at least the expert at hand, right? So like, for instance, if I'm a project manager and, and I'm asked to give a report on the project that I'm working on, well, duh, I'm the reason I'm given the report is because I'm the project manager. I know more, theoretically, I know more about what's going on in that project than the other people that would be in the room. Otherwise, they would be given the, the report. Um, just keep in mind, though, one of the things that is really important about this particular thing is that 
sometimes the way that we train ourselves can actually cause more public speaking fear. For instance, um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Toastmasters. I love Toastmasters groups. They, there are Toastmasters in every city, and you'll have hundreds uh, sometimes of different Toastmasters groups. One of the biggest challenges, though, that sometimes folks will have in, in Toastmasters doesn't have anything to do with the organization. It has to do with the way that people design presentations uh, that they've been assigned. So basically, what this is a club that uh, where uh, people kind of take turns coaching each other. They they take turns giving presentations. It gives them a, a good place to kind of practice. And it's it's I'm amazed at the number of times folks will actually go into a a a Toastmasters group and be assigned to give a presentation. And then while they're when they're preparing that presentation, go. Ah, you know the stuff that I do for a living just really isn't that interesting. So I'm going to talk about X instead. So instead of talking about something that they know inside and out that would be interesting to the the group more often than not, they actually pick something off the internet that they really don't know anything about, and and then they try to give the speech. It doesn't go very well. So now they've had a negative experience, and it makes it much more difficult to kind of get back on the horse. So um, so again, nothing to do, nothing negative about Toastmasters. It's more about the way that people design their presentations. Um, they go against the grain, go against what Toastmasters is actually teaching. Um, there are situations that you'll find yourself in in business presentations that can be a little bit more challenging. They're going to be a little bit more nerve-wracking because they do violate this particular tip. One situation might be, let's say, for instance, you're a trainer or you're in human resources or something like that, and you are and you do all of the training for the entire company. So basically, if I'm an HR person and I do the training for the account, I'm training the new accountants when they come into the, to the company, well... That's going to be more challenging than if I'm actually doing training on benefits and insurance and stuff like that that I do on a day-to-day basis. So things that I know inside and out I'm going to be much more comfortable presenting on. It doesn't mean, by the way, that I can't present on that topic. It just means that I'm going to feel more uncomfortable in that kind of thing. I mean, I'm going to be more nervous. And so I'm probably going to need to spend a little bit more time in preparing to do that type of training than I would if I were doing something that I do on a training on something that I do on a, on a day-to-day basis. The other kind of situation that people will find themselves in, in the business world where it can be a little nerve wracking is when somebody else designs your presentation. More often than not, the way that this happens is that a boss or somebody who is well intended intending they they want you to do well so what they'll do is they'll give you a slide deck and say here go present this slide deck well the challenge with that though is because I didn't make the slide deck I don't know exactly what those bullet points are representing I don't know exactly what my boss wants me to kind of cover in in this particular presentation uh, especially if it happens to be a presentation or a slide deck that's been created for legal reasons. Um, I give you a good example of this. I had a, a a young lady that was in my class. She worked for Hewlett Packard. She was one of the real high level account representatives, and and these are the folks who have a lot of times maybe one or two like really 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 big clients. I mean they they would have one huge client that they would be servicing, and they'd be the 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 high level salesperson. And there were only I think maybe a dozen or so of these reps for all of Hewlett Packard in the entire world. And um, uh, since these folks are really autonomous, since they are you know high level salespeople, um, apparently what was happening at at HP was that they were um, they were uh, the, the 
let's say that some of the salespeople might be promising something for a good client that HP may or may not be able to do effectively. And um, so because they were going a little off script, HP had to kind of pull the reins back and say, okay, right, we have to okay every one of your PowerPoint presentations. And because there were so many of them, they finally just, just got fed up probably more often than not. I'm, 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 reading a lot into what was going on, but they they basically gave the sell, these high-level sales reps a, a slide deck that had like 300 different slides in it, and that was it. And they said, this was all you can use as your visual aids, right? Well, that's going to be really challenging. I mean, if, you, if you've got a 300-deck slideshow and, and you, you're trying to hone that down into a 10-minute presentation or a 15-minute presentation or a 30-minute presentation, man, that's going to be really, really, really challenging. And so if if we if we force our presenters to to give a bad presentation guess what they're going to give a bad presentation um, it doesn't mean that you can't give a presentation like that by the way since since that's what the sales rep was was uh, required to do what what I suggested that she do was actually uh, get a printout of every one of those slides just kind of make a booklet there there are a lot of digital printing companies out there and HP had their own but but um, but if you're in a similar situation you can get you can get your deck digital digitally printed and in basically FedExed anywhere overnight within 24 hours. And that's what she kind of did. So instead of kind of going through the entire slide deck, she would, she would go into her customers and she'd say, okay, so this is the, um, the documentation for this account. Uh, and this will have everything in the world that you'll ever want to know about everything that we do. Um, but it looks like based on our conversations, you're going to be most interested in, and then she'd go just to those slides, and she'd use what Hewlett Packard had had, um, had provided for her for those specific kind of situations. So, so just keep in mind though for the for tip number eight is to is to speak on things that you're an expert on. If you're not an expert, sometimes you have to get a little creative, but more often than not, the easiest thing to do is just do a little bit more studying and a little bit more preparation, and you'll feel a whole lot more comfortable in that situation. So tip number nine, the ninth thing that you can do to add more to um, to reduce your nervousness when you're speaking in front of a group is to have more energy and have more enthusiasm. Um, one of the first chapters in the Fearless Presentations book is about enthusiasm and energy. It is the secret to great presenters. It is the secret to the most successful presenters on the face of the earth. If you look at anybody that gets paid multi-gazillions of dollars every year to, to speak, then there's one thing that every single one of those people will have in common, and it's going to be their energy. It's going to be their enthusiasm. It's going to be their ability to get other people excited about the topic that they're presenting on. So the thing you want to keep in mind if you're the presenter is that the people in the audience are never, ever, ever going to have any more energy or any more enthusiasm about whatever it is that you're talking about than what you do. So if you want the audience to have you know, a level 9 level of energy, then you've got to speak at a level 10, right? So you have to kind of kick it up a notch. So the um, one of the in one of the sessions that we'll cover, one of the podcasts that we'll cover later on, we're going to do a whole session on just how to add energy and enthusiasm to boring stuff. It's one of the most more challenging kind of things, especially when you get into some of the longer presentations. If you're speaking for a half day or a day, or sometimes you're doing continual training or something like that, it's really hard to kind of keep the energy up. But it's vital to your success. Um, I, I it's funny how often I'll get folks that will kind of call me up. Maybe it's somebody looking to be an instructor for our company or something like that. And 
Uh, and a lot of times we just don't have any positions open. You know, very few people ever leave <laughs> our company. So as a result, we don't always we don't really have a lot of open positions uh, in a lot of situations. So sometimes folks will kind of call me up and I'll just kind of tell them, hey, you know, wow, it sounds like you're pretty well qualified, but I'm sorry, I just don't have any position for you. And and it's amazing how often I'll finish a conversation like that where the person on the other end of the phone will say, oh, my gosh, well, I hope something does come up because you just sound so excited. You sound so it sounds like such a fun place to work. And it, after that happened to me, I don't know, maybe a dozen times or, or so, it kind of hit me that that was because I would kind of look back and say, well, what exactly did I say? You know, the only thing I really said was I don't really have a position open for you. I mean. There's nothing real exciting about that. There's nothing real interesting about that particular phrase. And more often than not, I'm only speaking for, you know, 30 seconds or 45 seconds or a couple minutes maybe, you know. Um, and it hit me that after a while that the, the reason why they were reacting that way to me in such a positive way was because I have trained myself when I speak in front of a group to kind of kick up the energy, to make it more interesting, to make it more fun. And that was carrying over into my phone conversations as well. So so that's one of the things that, that you'll tend to find is that when you get really good at speaking in front of a group, it kind of spills over in a lot of different areas. But energy and enthusiasm is really one of the most important secrets to success in public speaking. All right, the last thing that you can do to reduce nervousness, and I can't underestimate I can't uh, how important this is, is you want to practice and you want to practice especially with a person or practice with a, with a, a group before you actually deliver a real presentation. Uh, so here's what most people do when they practice. Most people will, will because they feel more comfortable, they'll practice alone. So um, sometimes folks will stand in front of a mirror and practice. Sometimes folks will just kind of get into a, a quiet room and kind of practice their presentation. The big thing that's missing from that type of practice is the feedback. So when we're communicating with a person or we're communicating with an audience, when we say something that that person agrees with, we actually see it visually in the way that they're they're reacting to us. They kind of nod. Their their eyes kind of light up a little bit. When we say something that's confusing to them, we also see that as well. So they get they'll get a confused look or they'll kind of cock their head to the side. That kind of thing. So that's that is valuable feedback that helps us make alterations to our presentations and, and make our presentations much better. You don't get that type of feedback when you practice by yourself. The second and really more negative thing about practicing by yourself, especially if you're practicing in front of a mirror, is that you're your own worst critic. You're going to criticize yourself more than anybody else will. So if you're practicing in front of a mirror, you're going to be you're you're going to say, "Oh my gosh, I look so idiotic. I look so weird. That sound, that sounded really awful. Oh my goodness, yeah." So you will actually nitpick every negative thing about your presentation instead of focusing on the real positive things. So. Much better to practice with with a person. The easiest thing to do is just kind of take a coworker or a spouse or significant other, somebody who you kind of trust, and say, "Hey, let me run through my presentation with you real quick," and and just run through it. Make it conversational. Make it more interesting for them by by um, just practicing it once or twice. Um, by the way, one of the things that is a, a big kind of flaw in the way that most people practice is they will say, okay, practice makes perfect. So I'm going to practice, 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 practice. So those things are, um, both of those statements are kind of erroneous. Number one, practice does not make perfect. Practice makes permanent. <laughs> so if you practice something in a poor way, you're going to get really, you're going to have a, a 
perfectly bad practice. Right? So basically, the uh, a, a good analogy to this is like when you're learning to play golf, right? So let's say you're you're you want to learn to play golf and and you go out and you just practice by yourself over and over and over and over and over, but you're practicing a very bad golf swing. So uh, you're probably not going to improve a whole lot, and you're probably now you're creating a habit that. Um, that can be very negative. So when you actually do go to like a golf pro and he tries to straighten you out, it's going to be much more difficult to kind of correct those bad habits. And that's what tends to happen a lot when we practice alone. Um, uh, uh, One of the best ways to practice, by the way, is to practice with a coach. Uh, And that's why a lot of people get good value out of our public speaking classes is is there is a coach right there in the room. So when that coach sees you doing something well, he or she will call attention to it in a really positive way. If you're doing something improperly, they'll make some minor corrections so that you can get better results and that kind of thing. Um, so in the, the last thing about this, though, uh, on the practice part is that if you over-practice, you're most likely going to be violating tip number three, which we focused on in the last podcast, Where and that one is you don't want to try to memorize your presentation. The more you practice something, you practice it over and over and over, you're going to get into this repetition, and you're going to lose a lot of your spontaneity, you're going to lose a lot of your energy and enthusiasm, that kind of thing. So be very careful about over-practicing. So those are 10 things that you can do to reduce nervousness. Now, one of the I want to kind of reinforce the warning that I gave you right at the beginning of this podcast. The 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 critical thing that you want to keep in mind about this information is that it's just information. It's not until you ta- actually take this information and put it into practice that you're going to start to get get positive results from it. So what I would encourage you to do if, is if you don't have a coach, if you're not going to a class or something like that, just take one of these during your next presentation. And then after you get really good at that one, then focus on another tip. And then get really good at that one and focus on another tip. And then get really good at that one and focus on another tip. That's the fastest, easiest way to get really good at speaking in front of a group. Um, so you're call to action here at the end of the, the podcast is to make sure and subscribe to the podcast and also give us a good review. If you like the if you like the content, make sure and give us a good review on uh, on your Google Play Store or on the, uh, the Apple uh, iTunes. Um, you can download the podcast notes at fearlesspresentations.com slash podcast two. So podcast two. And, um, and then uh, join us on the next podcast. We're going to cover a whole lot of new information and uh, give you some good tips in a new tech find. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.